Hurricane Katrina was the most devastating storm to hit the Gulf Coast in modern times. More than seven years later, hundreds of thousands of residents of New Orleans and other Gulf Coast cities and towns are still feeling the effects of this powerful storm. Many homes in the city will never be repaired, and some people are not that sure this will not happen again, so have chosen to not return to their homes. Maybe you know someone who was there or have heard stories of his or her ordeal. For those who move back to the Big Easy, they're hoping for the best. They want the good times to roll again. Hopefully, many of them will want to think about the lessons they can learn about Katrina. Why did it happen? How can they prepare for the future? Today, I want to talk about that future. Are you ready? Do you realize that there is a lesson to be learned for all of us in the wake of a terrible disaster? The lesson is not just about surviving a hurricane or an earthquake. It's about a far more important lesson. It has to do with ensuring we survive whatever comes our way in the future. Movie makers love to make films about the end of the world. But you will have noticed how everything always seems to work out for the best in the end with a savior arriving just in time. Well, believe it or not, that's just what is going to happen. Jesus Christ, who is the savior of the world, is going to arrive just in time to save us from our own destruction. Right now, the world has enough nuclear weapons to destroy the whole planet many times over. But God will save us before we destroy ourselves. The Bible tells us that the world will not end in cosmicide. God is going to intervene. The Bible also tells us, though, that before it gets better, it will get a whole lot worse. But we know that God's true servants will be protected and survive. There is a way to prepare for the times ahead. For those who trust in God and turn their lives over to Him, there is an assurance that they will survive the great disasters that are coming. Let me tell you about the perfect storm that is developing in our world. Are you ready? May I extend a warm welcome to all of our Tomorrow's World viewers and especially if you are joining us for the first time. The events of September 2005 still resonate with millions of people in the United States. They remember where they were when Hurricane Katrina crossed the coast and slammed into New Orleans and also into other communities along the Gulf Coast. 
more than seven years later, the aftershocks are still being felt. And though New Orleans is working again, lessons have been learned. The real question is, are we ready for another Katrina? Other possible catastrophes are also predicted. For example, seismologists continue to talk about an earthquake they call the big one in California. When the pressures and the tensions of the San Andreas Fault give way, the greatest earthquake in America's history will take place. The people of Japan are very ready to remember the horrific tsunami that swallowed up their coastal towns and led to one of the world's worst nuclear reactor accidents. You can know what lies ahead for the world if you understand Bible prophecy. God has told us ahead of time what will happen to our nations in the pages of the Bible. Why did I choose Hurricane Katrina to introduce this program? The reason is twofold. The first is that one single storm in 2005 is almost like a 9-11 in the minds of many Americans. It cost $81 billion in damage and destruction. According to the National Hurricane Center, 1,800 people lost their lives and more than 100,000 homes were destroyed in New Orleans, making it the most expensive hurricane in U.S. history. Now the second reason I chose this story of terrifying consequences is that it mirrors so well what God prophesied in the book of Hosea in the Old Testament. The prophecy is directed toward the modern day descendants of ancient Israel. At tomorrow's world we understand that these people are to be found mainly in northwestern Europe and the British Isles, as well as the United States and the British populated countries around the globe. Many of you have already proven this important fact and now understand the nightly news on television in a whole new light. Let me read what Hosea says. They sow the wind and reap the whirlwind. We are not talking about a small twister, but a huge typhoon or cyclonic depression packed with the power of many nuclear warheads. Let me show you what it means by they sow the wind and reap the whirlwind. It's not a cryptic puzzle which we cannot understand. You can be aware that it is talking about the moral and religious state of our modern Western countries. We're witnessing all around us the results of more than 50 years of social madness. In the 1960s and beyond, liberal thinking people in the media, schools, and even the churches taught a new morality which was anything but new or moral. It was plainly immoral and as old as old Satan himself, who has deceived this world for thousands of years with his lies. We were told that sex outside of marriage was now okay, and that cheating on exams was not that bad. Any form of discipline for children had now become barbaric. Good was bad, and you're right, bad was good. What result do we see today around the world? We witness a whirlwind of social trauma and heartache for many. 
and no one is prepared to say it like it is. People are too scared of what others will say when it is as clear as the nose on our face that this liberal, permissive way does not work. Can you see the results? I know you can. And more importantly, God does also. So many people look at Great Britain and the United States and shake their heads. Here are two of the great powers of the world that brought this great book, the Bible, to every corner of the globe and taught people the good morals and values it upholds. And then what? Their grandchildren came along writing sophisticated articles in magazines saying that what was taught by the older generation was wrong. They said, God doesn't exist and there's no great power that controls the weather. And what happens to mankind on planet Earth? In Leviticus 26 verse 14 through to verse 17, God says it straight so that there's no doubt as to the source of our problems. Let us hear his words. But if you do not obey me and do not observe all these commandments, which commandments? Why, the Ten Commandments, of course. And if you despise my statutes, or if your soul abhors my judgments, now verse 16, I also will do this to you. I will even appoint terror over you. What is the most common word on our lips today? It's the word terror. God warned us that if we despised His commandments, He would send terror upon us. I will set my face against you, and you shall be defeated by your enemies. Those who hate you shall reign over you, and you shall flee when no one pursues you. Think for a moment of the long lines at the airport, having to pass through security checks because of tourist risks, where we are told to arrive up to three hours before a flight so that our belongings can be searched. Jackets, belts and shoes have to be removed, our bags are x-rayed and some even have the indignity of being strip searched. All of this is because we fear what could become a disaster in the air. What started out as a seemingly harmless gentle breeze of change has increased to become a tempest. And from a tempest it grew in fury to become a hurricane or a typhoon of powerful proportions. We're experiencing its devastating consequences. Will it end or will it get worse? And after all this, if you do not obey me, then I will punish you seven times more for your sins. I will break the pride of your power. What is the pride of our power? The United States of America is still the most powerful military force in the world. But for how long? The Chinese and other nations would like to take her place. With ever-increasing debts, Uncle Sam will not be able to protect American interests abroad for much longer. Cuts in defense spending are on their way. Expect to hear about the reduction in the number of U.S. Navy carrier-based battle groups. Great Britain has recently slashed her defense budget. Two aircraft carriers being built were to be scrapped, but 
have recently survived the chop. But the British government now says they will be built, but they will not have any planes on their decks. Why? Britain simply cannot afford them at this time. All of this is in line with what God prophesied would come to pass. You are living through amazing prophetic times. Today we are discussing the consequences that have come upon us for rejecting God's holy laws. We've highlighted a passage in Hosea that speaks to our generation today. Let's hear it again. They sow the wind and reap the whirlwind. This is referring to the way of life we choose to live as being like a mild wind at first and then it grows into a roaring hurricane or tornado. We've considered the effects that many people are suffering because they have been told a lie by their leaders and teachers. What's that lie? The lie is this, you can live your life however you want and there will not be any evil consequences. But the Bible says otherwise. In Galatians 6, 7, we are told by Paul, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. If you would like to discover more about how this topic impacts your life, visit us online at www.lcgcanada.org to read our featured literature free of charge. What have you been reaping lately? If you have a stable, happy marriage with loving and respectful children, it tells you something. It tells you that you and your spouse have been sowing good seeds these last few years, which are now bringing forth good fruit. Sometimes it takes a decade for good seed to bring forth fruit. While others around you may have bent the rules and committed adultery, you remain faithful to each other. While others refuse to correct their children in love, you lovingly gave your children clear boundaries to live within and kept them safe. Well done. Can you see that there is a battle raging today between those who don't believe that God exists and those who do. Those who don't believe He exists are becoming more hateful and angry at those who do believe in God. Believe it or not, this was actually prophesied in your Bible. Listen to the words of the Apostle Paul who wrote the following nearly 2,000 years ago. We find it in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 2 and 4. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, traitors, headstrong, haughty, and lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Now listen to the words of Richard Dawkins, formerly the Professor of Public Understanding of Science at Oxford University in England. In his book, The God Delusion, he says the following, The God of the Old Testament is arguably 
the most unpleasant character in all fiction. He went on to say, Faith can be very, very dangerous, and to deliberately implant it in the vulnerable mind of an innocent child is a grievous wrong. Is that true? I think that many of you believe it is a grievous wrong to not teach your children good values that will lead to their happiness. We only have to look at the end result of following the basic philosophy of evolution, which is survival of the fittest, to see what happens. What is the end result? It is a dog-eat-dog -dog world of greed. There's a new religion on the streets. It's called the Way of Get. And its message is, get it before someone else gets it. Get it no matter what the cost is. It doesn't matter who you hurt along the way as long as you win. Do you remember the famous line from the 1987 movie Wall Street? Michael Douglas played the part of Gordon Gecko and said, the point is, ladies and gentlemen, that greed, for lack of a better word, is good. No, it's not good. Greed is devastating to people and their families. It warps their minds. Notice what Paul told Timothy. He said, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. God's Word tells us that covetousness, which is an old word for greed, is a sin. In fact, it's the last of the Ten Commandments and it's just a short four words. If you remember the words of the Ten Commandments, it says, you shall not covet. Imagine how much better the world would be if we did not covet after things that we cannot afford or belong to other people. Something's terribly wrong with our world. And our grandparents and great-grandparents, who would have stood up and told us that this way of thinking is wrong, are sadly no longer with us. In fact, in their place, a new generation of atheistic teachers tell us it's okay to sin. We're told by God that the wages of sin is death. But then he also asks us in Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 23, Do I have pleasure that the wicked should die, says the Lord God, and not that he should turn from his way and live? God wants us to prosper. He wants us to be happy. He doesn't want us to die from our sins. The prophet Jeremiah also spoke of God's great mercy and love for us in Jeremiah 18. Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter, says the Lord? Look at this clay in the potter's hand. So are you in my hand, O house of Israel. If that nation against whom I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I thought to bring upon it. He wants our nations to prosper and excel. But if they will not repent, then what are we to do? We should not go along with the evil around us, but rather set our minds and hearts to obey Him. Though others around us do not, and to do so, could bring ridicule and derision upon us. 
God tells us in verse 11 of Jeremiah chapter 18, Return now everyone from his evil way, and make your ways and doings good. Isaiah joins in with God's helpful words in chapter 33 and verse 14 in the latter part. Who among us shall dwell with the devouring fire? The answer is in the next verse. He who walks righteously and speaks uprightly, he who despises the gain of oppressions, who gestures with his hands, refusing bribes, who stops his ears from hearing of bloodshed, and shuts his eyes from evil. He will dwell on high. His place of defense will be the fortress of rocks. Bread will be given him. His water shall be sure. Our title today is Reaping the Whirlwind. How can we apply this to the world around us? In the world of meteorology or weather prediction, there are two events that are most destructive. They are hurricanes and tornadoes. Those who live in the Midwest or the Gulf Coast of the United States know that these two phenomena are unbelievably dangerous. Between April and October, residents of Hong Kong know that the typhoon season will be with them. One year is not as bad as the next, but we know that every 15 years or so, a powerful Katrina-type storm will come through like a railroad train out of control, leaving death and destruction behind it. Why do these things happen? Scientists will tell you that it is just nature run amok, but what scientists do not know is that the great God is in control of weather. He can cause it to be kind and helpful to our crops, or He can allow it to wreak terrible destruction. As we reach the climax of this Earth's end-time events, we can expect to hear about and see great tsunamis and hurricanes. According to Luke chapter 21, verse 25, we can expect several events to occur at the same time. Listen to this. And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. These awesome displays of destruction reveal a spiritual message for those of us in the lands where they occur. God wants us to learn a lesson. This lesson is that natural laws are like spiritual laws. If we break them, they have dire consequences in our lives. We ignore them at our peril. The generation that survived the Great Depression and the Second World War was basically a humble and moral people by and large. The next generation was awash with peace, prosperity, and sadly, permissiveness. Unlike those who went before this generation, they rejected the values and standards that their fathers and mothers had fought and died for. They made their own rules, and those were few and far between. They adopted ideas of protecting baby seals in the Arctic, but protecting baby humans, it seems, was not as important. Now, 50 years later, we're paying the piper, and this piper is demanding a high price. For some, the price is sexually transmitted diseases, or it's children who do not know their real father. It's foreclosures on homes that the mortgagee never had a hope of repaying. 
It is people who do not know right from wrong or good from bad. As they stand in their desolate hopelessness with a crying baby pulling on their skirt, they can't make the connection between what they did in previous months and their sorrow now. The decisions they made then just came down to what felt good at the time. You don't have to look far to see the end result of 50 years of greed and moral compromise. When we do not act on principle, we act on feelings and emotions. What about you? Are you caught up in the moral trap of chasing your tail and not knowing what is going to come next? There's a solution. And it's a real answer to your problems. It's going to take courage and a change in the way that you live. But then again, we sometimes come to that point where we really do want to change. We know that if we don't, life may not be what we know it can be. Here at Tomorrow's World, we believe there is a way of life that will protect you from the cyclonic winds of destruction that will destroy the houses of those around you. It involves a personal commitment to God. It means getting down on your knees and calling out to Him to save you. I don't mean some hysterical moment of loss of mind, but quite the opposite. It involves a calm acceptance of the fact that we need God in our life. We will tell Him honestly that we want to turn our lives around and bring them into harmony with His laws and commandments. Yes, there can be some emotion, but the real motivation is to seek God in every area of our life. So commit yourself to God through regular study of the Bible. Take time each day to talk to Him in heartfelt prayer. I know you are finding the programs that Tomorrow's World presents helpful and uplifting. We believe that the Bible is the only source of true knowledge and understanding. So be sure to join us again next week when Gerald Weston or Richard Ames will cover important topics of interest to you and the good news of tomorrow's world. Remember to tune in next week at the same time. Until then, goodbye friends. If you would like to discover more about how this topic impacts your life, visit us online at www.lcgcanada.org to read our featured literature free of charge. The preceding program has been produced by the Living Church of God.